For the fans and by the fans, you're listening to another episode of the Hoop and Harm Podcast. Hey, remember us, the Hoop and Harm podcast? Well, we're back. We've had to take a brief hiatus thanks to families, tragedies, and general winter malaise, but we're back and ready to break down the last two months of NBA action, including all-star games, trades, injuries, and of course, the nonstop dumpster fire that continues to burn through Manhattan. So without further padding for time, let's get right to it, guys. Uh, First, maybe we'll rewind back about a month ago and uh, talk a little bit about the NBA All-Star Weekend 2020 in Chicago. Joe, uh, let's get us started maybe with uh, All-Star Saturday night. What did you think? I think personally the dunk competition was uh, the best event that they had uh, over the weekend. It seems like there was a little bit of controversy with the winner. Um, Hell yeah, Gordon, there's controversy. Gordon got kind of jobbed on that one. Um, Hell yeah, but, he did. Again. But, uh, yeah. we, we were watching the highlights, and I think at the, the Palm 360 windmill dunk he had was absolutely fantastic. And when you score all 50s, I, I think you should be, be the winner. I, I put it to you this way. How are you going to score all 50s, then jump over Taco Fall, and then they say that you lose? You jump over Taco, you win. That's, That's apparently a, what they said. Kenny Smith even agrees yeah, with me. Yeah. He's like, you jump over Taco Fall, you, you, you win. win. And yeah, I uh, I agree with that. But I mean, it was a good dunk contest. But uh, Glenn, what do you think of, uh, like, tell me about Derek Jones's dunks. Do you think he was a deserving winner at the very least? It's hard to say because Derek Jones Jr. can, like, actually fly. Like, that guy has wings. <laughs> um, he jumps over. He was jumping over anyone. Like, he could have jumped over Taco Fall and they could have had, like, a who can jump higher, who can dunk harder. It mm-hmm. was ridiculous. They should have. It should have ended on at least a tie, but something happened there and it just all fell apart. Dwayne Wade, like, kind of him being a, a coach is going to be biased because he's going to judge kinda, me. The judge, yeah, yeah, he's he's gonna be biased because, uh, of course, Derek Jones Jr. is on Miami, and that's who. And they retired his jersey won. like a week later. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not sketchy. No, not at all. But I don't know. Personally, I I enjoyed it. I thought there was a you know nice little tribute to Kobe in there, obviously with. Um, Dwight Howard's uh, Superman dunk, which didn't get a whole lot of love, but I think if you toss it gimmicks. over the... Yeah. yeah, it is a gimmick, but you know he's always been about the gimmick, and he has to do yeah. something because you know, they don't give him credit for being seven feet tall and hyper-athletic, right? But mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed the dunk of them throwing it over the backboard and him catching it and throwing it down. I thought that was cool, but um, yeah, just getting back to it, I just, I feel for Aaron Gordon. I mean, the guy's basically got like, you know, is that what I would consider like the two best performances in... Uh, or two of the best, if not the two best performances in dunk contest history, but zero crowns. Exactly. That's probably the most points accumulated in one dunk off by Aaron Gordon, and he still somehow managed to lose the 50, 50, 50. 49. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. 47 even, right? Yeah, yeah with the uh, Russian judge or whatever you want to call Dwayne Wade in this one. It was, I don't know. I, I, it's, I would say that the dunk off, just looking at it as a, you know, from the perception of a fan, it's probably the biggest event of the weekend, you know, including the All-Star game. Because frankly, for years, the All-Star game wasn't really all that much worth watching. We'll get to that in a moment. 
but it's the sort of like it's the one that draws the most eyes it'll get the most clicks on youtube mm-hmm. and everything so at the very least i'm glad that they had a uh, an entertaining one and there was you know a lot of really great dunks going on we've got to talk about it Pat Connaughton brought Billy Hoyle into the mix. That was that great. Was yeah, that was a good throwback. I'm surprised that hasn't been done before, but there aren't a lot of white guys that can like pull it off like Patty can. So no he, kidding. He he's, did a really. He's good not thing. that tall, and I, no, I love that his outfit and the one dunk with the hat and everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I really enjoyed that. Going up, looking like goofy Woody Harrelson. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, exactly. Can't white that man can jump. Sweet. Yeah. That was very very well done. So yeah, top marks to him. And honestly, uh, Aaron Gordon, if somehow you happen to hear this. You are a champ in our books, brother. I uh, I made that known as soon as I threw that tweet out the moment that thing was over and that stupid score came in. And I was just like, whatever. I think we all know who won this. Yeah. Got to give it up to Aaron Gordon. So not taking it. I don't mean to take anything away from Derek Jones Jr. He's a heck of a dunker and very definitely, very, mm-hmm. definitely deserved to be in there. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I don't definitely, understand yeah. how you score perfect and then still have to continue with a perfect score. But, uh, you know, there was, there was some whispers that the judges had tried to p- submit their scores in such a way to make it a tie so that they would go to another round. Yes. And that was, they miscommunicated. Yes, that was, yeah. And perhaps it was Candace Parker or Dwayne Wade was supposed to give a 10 and gave a 9 instead. Yeah. And uh, it was over. So I heard whispers about that. Who knows if it's true. But the conspiracy uh, theorist in me says that that probably is true and they just blew it. But yeah. uh, who knows? Uh, moving on, guys. Uh, I This is actually my favorite event. I've certainly enjoy the dunk contest my favorite one to watch these days has been the skills competition and i don't know if anybody saw this but uh on twitter right before the event happened i called out uh, glenn's man crush over here bam Adebayo, to win the skills competition how dare you mm-hmm. how dare i what call up my guy and to win because i i was like no he's not going to win it he's he doesn't shoot the three well enough and sure enough i'm eating my words right he now because he shot all it. the threes yeah he did and very he well crushed yeah. it. he beat uh three quality opponents to get yeah. through there too it was yeah. uh mm-hmm. very 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 impressive but i think that's an interesting thing that's been going on the trend in the nba lately ever so since they started talent. big men well they're allowing big yeah. men to enter this competition and mm-hmm. big men have won it ever yep. since they did yeah. that and sabonis is in the finals too. yeah like was, that's the thing it's like it wasn't just one guy it was multiple guys right the last award that anyone in the Knicks got was Chris Stapps Porzingis winning the skills competition like four years ago. Exactly. Before right. he went away for with his knee injury. And uh, Carl Anthony Towns won it after that. And then yep. I can't remember who won it last year. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Might have yeah, been. I think, I think it was been, maybe even Spencer Dinwiddie. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Oh, it was. It Din- was yeah. Dinwiddie. Spence, yeah, 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 Spencer Dinwiddie correct, won it yeah. last year. So there you go. You know, you got a guard forward yeah. uh, uh, getting up. But uh, this year, I got. I think you got to give it up to Bam. He's... Um, he seemed like an obvious choice to me, honestly, at first, because, uh, which is odd because, you know, I don't set the odds, obviously, but um, he has all the skills necessary to be a superstar. And I think, you know, you were talking about Bam on the show not long ago, Glenn, saying that, you know, his assist percentage or his assist rate had gone up. He's over five assists a game. Mm-hmm. You know, this is obviously a big man who knows how to pass, so he was going to be able to get it through that little tire and all that. But uh, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was neat. And he's a feel-good story this year, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, ESPN did a wonderful profile. I believe it was Zach Lowe who wrote it up. It came out that All-Star weekend talking about how Bam uh, came from, I believe, the North Carolina area and um, wound up down in Miami. And the only person he brought with him was his mom. Yeah. And she was living with him in his high-rise in Miami and taking care of him. They were very, very, very close. And it meant the world to him to be able to like show out in front of her and everything. And uh, I think Bam deserves a lot of credit for the way he's developed this game this year. But if nothing else, those little... You know, skills competition, championships, and everything like that. That helps you. That you know, that'll push you up into max contract territory if you're playing correctly in the uh, in the regular season. And you know, if your team has some deep playoff success that can be attributed to you, I mean, those things they never hurt. So, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very happy for Bam Adebayo. He seems like one of the genuine good guys in the NBA, so very pleased to see him pulling that off. And I have a little correction. Actually, last year was uh, Tatum won last year. Jason, it was Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum won, and uh, Dinwiddie was, was two years ago. Oh, okay. All right. So guards had it. Well, forwards even had it for a little bit there. But Jason Tatum, that does not yep. surprise me. That boy's been balling out this year. Certainly uh, uh, giving uh, Boston fans a reason to look forward to the future. Yep. Because I don't know that it's going to work out so well for them this year, but we'll be talking about that later on in the show. Right. Uh, okay, so moving away from the skills competition, we had Buddy Heald with a terrific performance in what was, uh, I would Clutch. call, an unseasonably poor general showing in the three-point contest this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not super impressed by it, um, and my pick for it was going to be Zach Levine because he's a lights-out shooter when he's on, man. That guy's pure hooper, uh, and they're in Chicago, and I thought that he was just going to show up and, and clean house, but uh, I don't even think he got through the first round, so... Um, I'm, you know, pretty impressed with Buddy Heald. Though I think he 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 did enough in every round, and uh, he looked good going through it. Uh, but obviously not good enough to actually play serious, meaningful minutes for the Sacramento Kings in uh, Luke Walton's system currently. But uh, he definitely performed well in that uh, in that final round. But I honestly, uh, I thought Devin Booker was uh, second most likely to win it. And I do believe he came second overall in that competition. But yeah, what did you guys think? He did. It's good, but what we were talking about, I think, before they we started recording was how adding the extra ball and that really kind of skews some of the, the old school numbers. It kind of does, and it looks gaudy, and it's like, why is it named after Mountain It's Dew? a shield too, it's a right? Yeah, stupid neon ball. The and Taco like, Bell, uh, you know, skills competition and that. Like, I get the naming rights, yeah. but it's like, what do you have this, like, neon green ball for? Like, I don't know. That has to be distracting as a player. Like, that was like the ball where, like, somebody's little brother would bring that to the court. Yeah. Uh, in street ball and you'd be like you would only honestly use that one if the other balls got lost or something like that or everybody else went home and you just got stuck using this piece of crap rubber ball or something like that and it puts uh, a lot of the other scores in perspective like when you look back on Devin Booker winning two years ago with 34 points in the final as opposed to Buddy with 40 like that number then totally skews things where you had winners back in the early like 2010s that were hitting 30, 30, 34, and then you got this big jump to 40. So it's really going to be hard to compare those numbers over history. Like who had a better three-point competition? We don't know now. I, I Personally, I would get rid of all of it, get rid of the money balls, get rid of these stupid straight up, things or whatever, and just who yeah. can make the most shots from yeah. three. Yeah. And if nothing else, uh, I don't even don't even make them like run around and shoot uh, you know five or six racks around the, around the, the rim there. Just like set up your spot and how many can you hit in a minute? That's right. a three point contest that I'm interested yeah. in. So, from your comfort spot. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's the top of the key or the top the of the circle, or, or you want to hit it from the yeah. elbow, or you want to go right down to the baseline and hit those corner threes. Like, yeah. I'm fine with it. I just want to know who can drop the most threes in 60 seconds. Yeah. So, you know, if they're looking for ideas, NBA, uh, look no further than the Hoop and Harm podcast. We are uh, apparently rarely here, but we are full of good ideas. Yep. So moving on, guys, we're not even going to talk about the uh, celebrity game because who cares? Uh, And the Rising Stars Challenge was, of course, entertaining and all that, but I want to get to the big game. Now, this was the first season when the NBA was trying out a new set of rules for the All-Star game. And just to remind our listeners, um, the format this year was the first three quarters individually counted. So you basically just played a little mini game going up from zero, like starting score at zero, and at the end of the first quarter, one team's um, the team who won would have a hundred thousand dollars to put towards their charity, 
And at the end of the second quarter, same. At the end of the third quarter, same thing. And at the end of the fourth quarter, well, the fourth quarter was played with a target score as a tribute to uh, Kobe Bean Bryant. So mm-hmm. the, for the team that first arrived at 24 points with a, the score or the shot clock and the, I don't know if they actually turned off the shot clock, but they shut off the proper game clock. That's right. And yeah. it was just, just like the score. just yeah. like a street ball game, mm-hmm. first to 24. Yeah. And I thought that was well played. But uh, what did you guys think of the new format? When you saw it in action, when you saw it in practice, what did you think? At first, I wasn't too keen on it because, like, the first quarter, I think, was like a 10-point win for the East or the West or whatever it was. And then John is his team. Yeah, thanks. And then as the game got more interesting and the players kind of got into it more, there was a bit more competition in it. It was actually really entertaining, and I'm looking forward to seeing if they do it again. I I hope they do because, to me, it was a more entertaining all-star game than it has been in quite some time. And there's a lot of complaints about the value of the All-Star game over the last little while because, you know, Definitely. these guys are playing like, I mean, <laughs> anytime I see a mixed martial arts contest or a UFC fight and these guys are just like winging punches at each other with their hands down and their chins up and everything like that, I always say the same thing. It's like, oh, this reminds me of an NBA All-Star game. All offense, no defense. Yep. And, you know, as soon as you start making jokes about an athletic contest with the best in the world, it's like, okay, this is a bit of a joke over here, this, this event. But... To that point, I thought the NBA just hit it out of the park, and I thought it was interesting to note that uh, Chris Paul took credit for this, saying that it was the uh, Players Association that recommended these specific changes mm-hmm. to the format for the All-Star game. And that was, I mean, they wouldn't be making these changes if it wasn't done to increase revenue and generate uh, viewership, you know what I'm saying? But so, how do you generate viewership is make the players interested in the game. Like, and that's, that's exactly that's probably, right? what happened yeah. i think we can all agree that that fourth quarter was some of the most exciting basketball oh, yeah. that's been played on an nba court yet yeah, this year totally. and joe i think i know the answer here but what was your sort of favorite aspect of the uh the, the all-star game kyle lowry taking multiple charges <laughs> multiple charges an, <laughs> not just one but multiple charges in an nba all-star game was probably the most what? crazy thing i've ever seen I, I don't think I've ever personally seen a charge in an all-star game in my life. Against the freight train, who is LeBron James. And then James Harden, too. And, like, James looking around going, like, what had just happened? Like, I was not expecting confused. that. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Is he allowed to do that? It's like, well, bro, yeah, if you're allowed yeah. to take eight steps, you should be allowed to uh, but take a charge. Just overall, I just love the intensity that all the guys showed. It wasn't just Kyle. It, it seemed like they all wanted it, not just for Kobe and and for that tribute, but uh, you know for their respective charities and and the, just the respect. And other than I think Major League Baseball having the winner of the All Star Game host the World Series, it was the first time that you felt the players had stake in the game, like they had some sort of stake in the game, and and they cared about it. I think I think a lot of the what they cared about with the kids. If I was playing on that on that court at that time, and I hear all these kids rooting for my exactly, team, yeah. yeah, I'm going to be invested in that game, and I'm going to want to bust my ass to to win. Yeah, I think we also have to give some credit to the MVP of that game as well, uh, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, like, that was such he smooth. Yeah, he I mean, it was very difficult yeah. as a you know Raps fan who was sad to see him go. It was. You know, a little bittersweet watching him uh, just jack he up He might threes. have had fun. I might have seen him crack a smile he, there. He, maybe. 
You yeah. think he had fun, guy? <laughs> I think so. Maybe. Is he a fun yeah. guy having fun? Yeah. He, uh, uh, Pascal quiet. and Lowry were giving a hard time a little bit. and Yeah, I, I think he was having actually should. a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think he was that's fun. one of my favorite things about the All-Star setting, too, is that you see these guys interact, and they don't ever get to play on the same teams together. They are, mm-hmm. you know, Or it's teammates that get separated or something like that. Like the way Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid were separated by... Uh, um, by LeBron's trade last year and then this year right. just by shrewd drafting, right? But yeah, Simmons with a big block on MV too. Like, yeah. like those are things you don't get yeah. to see. And it was great to see Simmons just extend up and just totally block MV at the three point line. God, I'd love to be a fly on the wall at the, in the dressing rooms after that, just to you know hear the uh, the trash talk oh, that comes from something like great. that, right? But uh, it was I I. I watched the game. I watched every minute of it. I was glued to screen the entire time. And I know that the last couple of years during the All Star game. Um, if I was out with you guys, I know Glenn, we, we usually try and get together to watch it when we're both in the same city and we've watched it, but we're at the bar, the volume's not necessarily on and we're all talking and we, you know, you get distracted by something. You don't really care. And yeah, cause yeah. It's, you know, you don't necessarily care about the announcing or anything like this time I was a hundred percent focused on mm-hmm. the game and it had my attention. And frankly, if I'm being totally honest, I can't wait for it to happen again next year. So I got to give the NBA some credit. I mean, we love to, you know, break a few balls over here on, uh, Guys like Adam Silver, anytime like the NBA has a misstep, we certainly are quick to point it out. So I'd like to be quick to give them a tip of the cap when they've done something well with this. And uh, I think I think that they uh, deserve a lot of praise for this. Now, my question for you guys is if you could change anything about the All-Star game, is there anything that you could change? Based on what we just saw, What else is there anything else you would add to it? For me, it's hard because when I looked at these rules on paper, I wasn't in agreement and they didn't make sense to me. So mm-hmm. I, I think if I bring up a solution or something different, it, it might seem good on paper, but in reality is totally different. So uh, at this point in time, if they just ran this for another year, see how it goes, see if they get that same intensity. Other than that, I, I can't really change it and change it if it needs to be changed. Would you change the target score? Or anything like that? Well, perhaps, yeah, you, you might want to change instead of Kobe next year. Maybe you choose somebody else in history or somebody else that you, we've lost in the past year or, you know, that that sort of thing. Make it relevant to the few months prior to that game. Sure. I like that idea. What about you, Glenn? Not have Nick Nurse. I know he's not going to be the coach next year, but don't have him play Lowry for the last. <laughs> no, I am actually Pascal. They both play the fourth quarter in crunch time minutes. The game's on the line. I don't want to see my guys get injured in the freaking All-Star again, game. Man. Again. Like, again, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I think it was pretty telling, though, that you have uh, a player as you know offensively gifted as Trey Young on Team John. Sitting, mm-hmm. sitting for pretty sat. much the second half, the yeah. third quarter and the fourth quarter, and have Kyle Lowry uh, kind of gear down and lock it, be the floor general on Giannis's team there and almost get the job done. It was a great game. How much tampering went on during that? I don't want to know. We're not going to talk about that. There was no tampering that went on at any point. They didn't yeah. do anything wrong. Kyle Lowry and Nick Nurse and Pascal Siakam were perfect. I'm not even talking about them. Like, I just, oh, in general, general, all those oh, guys Oh, yeah, general, general tampering? Like, yes. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> DeAndre Jordan's not involved or uh, yeah, exactly. Kevin Durant's not there, so... Who really knows about Do all that? Remember when he was the marquee free agent? Wow, uh, times have changed. They really have. <laughs> Goodbye, Lob City. We hardly knew ye. Uh, for myself, guys, I can tell you that uh, I, as much as I enjoy the idea of sort of like you know the Eastern and Western Conference getting captains with LeBron and Jonas the way it's been the last couple of years, uh, I saw it two years in a row. I thought it was cool, but I would take a cue from the Rising Stars game and turn it into. Uh, like Team North America versus Team World or Team USA versus everybody else or something, you know? 
I think the game's uh, international appeal would lend itself very well to those like that exact setup with the fourth quarter target score and with everything else going the way it is. Like, um, I'm curious to watch. I think a you would get some interesting guys into the All Star game that wouldn't necessarily otherwise get to be there. Yeah. You know, some guys like you know Rudy Gobert doesn't necessarily get to play in every All Star game, although he would certainly be you know an easy pickup for the international team, and I think right. it throws a little bit more competition for the American fellas. And maybe gives a break to guys like, you know, Kyle Lowry that we as Raptor fans don't want to watch, you know, sacrificing his body in that game necessarily. But <laughs> 30 plus years old, yeah. Yeah, I would like to watch. I'd like to see a bit of an, especially with the internet, like I say, the international nature of the NBA and the way that they like to popularize the sport all over the globe. I think it would be really cool to give the international team the that focus. Uh-huh. So I think that's probably the only change that I would like to see. But if they did it and it didn't work, go ahead, send it back to the way it was. I uh, I definitely enjoy that. Um, and you know, there's always some, um, some jokers on the internet that are always trying to write in and this happens in every sport where they, you know, who was it that they were trying, they were trying to get the guy from, um, Golden State back in the day. Who was it? Uh, the Georgian player, the guy from Russia and everybody started voting for him and trying to get him in there. I can't remember who he was. So it was basically, you know, the idea is like, sorry, Zaza. Yeah, it's as of Pachulia, that's right. And it's happened in other sports too. Yeah, exactly. I know they've done it in the NHL and everything mm-hmm. like that. So I would, if anything, I would lean into that and I would take like two, you know, just bench warmers from one from the East and one from the West or one international and one US and let them be captains of the team. For the I weekend, think that's like, take the actually a great idea. Yeah, like, it'd be absolutely hilarious to me if it was like, you know, Pat McCaw versus like, I don't know, like Chandler Parsons or some <laughs> yeah. bullshit. Like, <laughs> or or what if you take what if you take um, the best two players from the G League in the East and West, and then they're the captains. If you and incorporated they captain, the G you League, incorporate the, or the WNBA. Yeah, that's you, actually you somehow try and get the WA neat. involved, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, I think that there's lots that could be done for. Uh, it could be, even be another up. Saturday event where you actually get the WNBA a little bit more involved. They used to have that. Remember they, they, they had did. that shooting? Yeah, no, they the did. Shooting stars? Were they, they, they yeah, weren't. they had the female players that would female come. Players. Was I thought it was co-ed. Co-ed. Wasn't it co-ed? Yeah, a girl was, and a guy on the team. Yeah, and an old legendary player. Yeah, or something like that. Like Dominique or something. Well, I remember, was it San Antonio Spurs did rather well with that because they had Becky Harmon. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. she's still an amazing player, right? And I know yeah. Candace Parker uh, performed in that one time too. So, yeah, yeah you know, get the ladies games. involved a little bit more in All-Star yeah. Weekend in general. But I wouldn't even mind seeing them, you know, somehow get involved in the actual game. But, you know, maybe there's, uh, you know, reasons or licensing things that explain why we can't have that necessarily. It's but. probably hard to do that too because it's their off-season too. So some of them are playing in overseas. Yeah, that's same fair Well, if they got paid more money in the WNBA and they would be here all year. But Let's give yeah. some credit to uh, the decision that was made to run those commercials too where you, uh, they explained the pay disparity between yeah, right. little girls and little boys growing up wanting to be professional basketball players and one of them is going to wind up making 50000 a year. Yep. So, um, you know, there's I, that gap. I don't even know if it closed at all after that commercial, but it never will unless things like that are brought to the light. So, and their new CBA is a little bit better than their old one for sure. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it's still a growth process. But the game, like they play a great game. Like yeah. it's it's very entertaining to watch. If you like basketball, go check out a WNBA. I'm, I'm very excited for 
hopefully one day getting one in Toronto, I'd go. Yeah, I, I sure. do believe they've committed to that, haven't they? Or they've explored uh, the idea. To they've explored degree? the idea, but there's All been right. no official announcement. We were thinking we were going to get an announcement last year, and it just never let's came. Uh, let's track that one a little bit longer and see. Yeah, sure. uh, you know, we'll talk about that on a later episode. I think because there's there's certainly going to be a lot there. I think we've got uh, the city for it. I think we've got everything we would need for it. So 100. Let's sure. go ahead and try and make that happen. MLSE, if you're listening to this podcast somehow for some reason, then uh, you know we highly encourage you to do that. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's uh, move around just to sort of the current comings and goings of the few injuries happening in the NBA right now. Um, the biggest one, obviously, I think, is former two-time uh, NBA MVP Steph Curry returning from a badly broken left wrist. If you guys watched that injury, I was watching that game live. It was like, oh, Aaron Baines just fell really awkwardly on uh, Steph's hand there. I think it was a spiral fracture somewhere in his wrist. Yep. And he's come back. Uh, he played uh, an excellent game against the Toronto Raptors in a it took rematch. Took a little while for him to kind of get back in the swing of things. Missed his first three, three or so shots before he kind of got going. But with then the he assist. made, yeah, then he, he yeah, got his whole team all involved. The behind the back assist that he had was absolutely yeah. Incredible. It's yeah. just I think the NBA is better when Steph Curry's of course, on the floor. Yeah, it's no, way more entertaining. He's um, such a brilliant player to watch. He's so talented, and he he changes the way you have to play that team. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like it's night and day. So you know, when Steph Curry's on the floor, like your 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 defense, you can box him one. Yeah, and then if Steph Curry's <laughs> off the floor, you have to go to regular defensive. We're never gonna drop this box and one thing. <laughs> yeah, I love no, it. Like, this is forever. Like I I can't even tell you how many times box and one has come up just in my personal life. There's sweaters. Like, like yeah. NBA players wear <laughs> sweaters with box and one on it now. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, it feels good to be the champs. Uh, but yeah, so Steph Curry comes back. He plays like one or two games or something like that. And then he gets, uh, I think, what we have deemed the lottery flu. Yeah, <laughs> it seems yeah. like he might have had a mild case of the sniffles. And uh, they were like, oh, we better shut you down getting, for another week. Getting a little close to that second last place spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we might be doing too well here. We can't be yeah. having this. That's uh, We've got to trust the process again. Mm-hmm. Speaking of trusting the process, Joel Embiid, guys, once again, down and out for the Philadelphia 76ers. I think this is Joel's toughest year as a pro, outside of perhaps that year where he was being restricted so heavily that he only played like his rookie year, like 33 games. I remember we were championing him mm-hmm. as the uh, rookie of the year after only playing 33. But this has been a rough go for Embiid and having to go through another injury. This is now on a collision with another player and he grabbed his... Uh, uh, left shoulder and he seemed to have a left shoulder sprain mm-hmm. these are just tough things for big guys like that to get over and Philadelphia couldn't really afford to lose him especially since he put up like a 49 point stat line the night before mm-hmm. or the game prior and Joel Embiid you know we wish him a speedy recovery I guess um, and I just hope that again I think that you know basketball is a little bit better when the best players are on the floor so for him to be enduring another injury I'm sure that's very 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 frustrating and that's not the end of it in Philadelphia. Ben Simmons also out. Now, Simmons is somebody who played fairly regularly. That guy did not miss a lot of games. but No, not at all, actually. No. It was uh, very tough to watch that happen. So if you're a Philadelphia fan right now, we um, send our uh, our condolences out to you for probably just a bunch of reasons. Like, A, your team's hurting, and B, like, God, if you live in Philly, I'm sorry. Um but uh, moving along in the Eastern Conference, uh, Glenn, we had Giannis sitting with a precautionary knee sprain treatment. Like, seemed like uh, there wasn't much to it until all of a sudden there was. Did you follow that at all? 
Well, yeah, they probably wanted to rest. It wasn't just Jonas they rested. They rested like half, like pretty much all their starters. Yeah. You're you're at the top of the Eastern Conference. You're playing high altitude. You clinched don't want your guys. You, you clinched it. You're on top of the world right now. You guys yeah. want to. Yeah, it's still like 20 games left in the season, but you you Six you know you're doing point well. cushion. Come on. Yeah, yeah, you're still doing well. Playing in high altitude, you don't want to gas your guys out too much on the road road trip. So. It makes are we, sense. Are we going to call this the Kawhi effect? No, he does have a legit injury, I think. <laughs> Unlike some other players in the league. But uh, he'll be back, hopefully, for the playoffs because it's always uh, more exciting when he's in the game. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I think this... What, what I enjoyed about the fact that he was gone, I caught a little bit of his game against uh, Denver the other night where the Nuggets actually put a bit of a hurting on um, on the Bucks in that game. But it gave us a little bit of a preview of what it's going to take to beat a team that doesn't feature Jonas and Chris Middleton playing both at a very high level. So, you know, I think that that is a team that is a little bit vulnerable when they're missing their superstar. And that's not going to be a surprise when you're talking about an MVP caliber player. But for Jonas to not be there and playing at altitude in Denver, they did not, as a team, play terribly well. So it gives you a little indication of, you know, the pressure that's going to be on Jonas come playoff time to perform and to perform in a healthy way and get his treatment after the game and, you know, try and uh, maximize his uh, his potential because at the end of the day, that guy's just too talented not to win yep. and to win it all. But uh, as we know, as you know, we've experienced here, the uh, the playoffs are it's a long drawn out slog, and you know you got to really chess match. yeah. And it, uh, if you're not going to be able to stay on the court and stay healthy throughout all that, the other team will. And yep. you know, so I uh, do wish Jonas a speedy recovery. Hope he does all right with his uh, his treatments and come on back and. Hopefully get himself ready for uh, a deep playoff run. Uh, also in the Eastern Conference, guys, <laughs> no big surprise here. Kyrie Irving, done for the year. Now, uh, what's your take on all that, Joe? I know he was one of your big fans. Yeah, he was one of my year. point guard uh, heavy favorites. And, you know, he, he just can't seem, he couldn't seem to stay on the court at the latter half of this year. He, he started off the year excellent, but uh, his, his injuries kind of caught up with him and, you know, I guess at this point in time, Brooklyn is in a playoff spot, but they're really waiting for next year. Like, there's no real need to. This is like a wait and see kind of year for them. Right. Wasn't they, it? But, they already yeah. let go. Of, it wasn't as a surprise or anything, but they let go of Kenny Their head Atkinson. coach. Yeah. Letting go of Atkins was probably the bigger story than the injury, to be honest. But. Well, uh, my read on that, and, you know, this isn't just coming out of nowhere, there was stories printed Lots on it, is that it was uh, mutual, that Kenny Atkinson Agreed. was not happy coaching in Brooklyn. And you have to believe that the best player and the number one player you've got has something to do with it. You know, mm-hmm. like If the coach and the top player are getting along and they're on the same page, that coach doesn't quit and that team doesn't fire him. Yeah. That's just generally how it works. I mean, it almost never, you never saw like, you know, the Bulls fire Phil Jackson. Of course not. Anything yeah, like that, right? Or, you know, it's, it's just not how it works. Yeah. So, uh, guys, are we entering that that period where we can finally call Kyrie Irving, like, officially a team cancer? Well, I, I heard the reports also were that Katie was also involved. Like, Hasn't Katie, played a game yet. I, I, yes. Doesn't I, appear I, in I, uniform, I, not I, practicing. I understand, but apparently behind the scenes he was also influencing the decisions either through talking through Kyrie or whatnot. Again, just reports, not substantiated by anything, but um, I I don't, you know, I, I think that there was something going on there that uh, Kyrie is not the easiest person to either deal with as a other player or as a coach. 
I think there's been enough smoke that there's a fire. Like last now. year, he was a tire fire in Boston. Like he threw that team under the bus yeah. so many times, it wasn't even. He's funny. been problem problematic before he even got to the Nets. Like yeah. I, I think it. I think the firing of Kenny Atkinson was mutual, and uh, it, it's not surprising if you're a coaching a team and you feel that you're not going to be valued and not going to re-sign your contract for next year, then. Just walk away when you're Why can. waste your time? Yeah. Why waste your time? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's got enough money. He's not hurting for income yeah. or something like that, right? But mm-hmm. um, this is basically a lost season for Brooklyn, and I don't think that that's just based on the fact that they lost their coach or that they lost Kyrie Irving for the majority of the year. Um, I just think that they didn't plan terribly well, which is sort of typical of uh, of the Nets. I mean, how long was it until they finally started getting their draft picks back? Yep, <laughs> they traded like and every draft pick they had to better than the really forever. bad teams in the East. Like, yeah, that, that's the only reason they're in the playoffs. It's not that difficult to be they're better, better than Atlanta Atlanta exactly, right? right? Yeah. Like, they don't even have a 500 record, and they're still seventh in the East, right? So, well, I am officially out of the Kyrie Irving business. I don't yeah. think there's any circumstance where I would want him playing on a team that I cared about. And like, no. uh, you know, I've been sniffing that out for about four years now, ever since Kyrie basically requested a trade off of the like defending champion Cleveland Cavaliers, mm-hmm. saying like, you know, sorry, I'm just sick of playing with LeBron. It's like, oh, you're gonna love playing with KD then. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that because <laughs> I don't know if we're talking about I don't know who's a better teammate. I'm not in the rooms with these guys, yeah. but if we're going on reputation alone, I think LeBron's the guy that you want to. Uh, yeah, I mean, what is it, like eight straight trips to the finals? Is eight straight trips to the finals, bros? Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. Kyrie's uh, definitely making some odd choices, and for a uh, Duke man to be suggesting that the Earth is flat, that's also giant, giant red flag. Um, all right, heading to the uh, West Coast now. Carl Anthony Towns, Joe, also one of your fantasy picks, out for the first sort of extended period of time in his career, like. Uh, he hasn't even had a chance really to play much with uh, the new acquisition in D'Angelo Russell, yeah. who's of course traded from the Golden State Warriors over to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And it's it's one of those things, you know, like looking at the Timberwolves at nineteen and forty four. They say he's going to play again this year. It's going to be probably about five six weeks until he's in total that he's going to be out. Um, it really is at the point of time was like why, like what 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 is he even now coming back for just. Just sit him, bench him for the let rest him recover, of the year, yeah. and let him recover. Like I, I just don't even know why they're playing him. That franchise kind of confuses me, to be quite honest. But. Yeah, they've made some uh, dodgy moves for sure. They've made a couple of quick, like sort of win now moves, like when they went out and spent all that to get Butler, and they let go of Zach Levine, yeah. and you know they really seemed to want to win at that time. But you don't get the sense from the Minnesota Timberwolves that they're out here trying to even compete for a playoff spot at this point, but. They must own most of their draft picks or else they wouldn't be so quick to uh, uh, suck this bad, I guess you'd say. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, when you just look at the immense amount of talent that does exist there um, on a fairly regular basis, there's been some really good players that passed through Minnesota in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're either on the cusp of just completely knocking it all down and starting again, or there's enough talent that goes through there that maybe they can make something happen. I really don't know. But I keep floating that they should have traded Cat. Like, I, I just, I still don't understand. Like, they're they're at a, a stage in, in the franchise where why float around in mediocrity? Like, you either make the trades to surround Cat with playoff talent, or if you can't get that talent, you break it down and start again. Like, it, it's one of the two, and they they seem to be like, oh, we're going to get enough pieces to be middling, but not good enough to actually do anything. Like, I, that's what I, I hate 
especially when I'm cheering for a franchise like that, that's the most frustrating position to be in. Is not good enough to contend, but not bad enough for a lottery pick. I would be terrified. You know? I would be absolutely terrified if I was a Minnesota fan and all of a sudden Carl Anthony Towns that announced that Rich Paul was his agent. Yeah, of course. Right. You know, that's the death knell. You know, you yeah. can figure it out from there. He's uh, yeah. he's done. Yeah. He's done in time. But uh, as long as I don't know if Minnesota's ever going to move him, they uh, should go ahead and do it and try and get you know or get the pieces seven around him. Like it, it's yeah. one of the other, right? Like I don't know. I just don't know that uh, they have the uh, the personnel in place and management or on the floor to make something like that happen. But uh, I hope uh, I've always enjoyed watching Minnesota for some reason. They're just one of those teams that you know I like to get behind, and especially now that they're crappy, it was like following the Warriors 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I just yep. picked them because they were yep. shite, and I thought, like, oh, it'll be really cool watching you go to the promised land one day, not even realizing how close it was. But uh, I would like to see Minnesota do a little bit better. So you should, you should be a Knicks fan, then, if you love, if you love There's that There's so many story. reasons why you can't be a Knicks fan right now, so yeah. just hold off because we're definitely going to get into that. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to personally throw out a shout-out to uh, my man James Johnson, who was a killer Raptor back in the day. But right now I want to throw out a shout-out to James Johnson because that poor bastard... Just had to move from South Beach, Miami to Minnesota on a uh, deadline deal. So, James, um, I've never actually had to move from Minnesota or from South Beach to Minnesota, but I have traveled from Toronto to South Beach many times, and I never wanted to come back. And I can't believe that you just had to pick up and move, brother. So, uh, personally, for me to you, man to man, I'm sorry that happened to you. (laughs) That must be the worst. Uh, Talking about the Warriors again, guys, they have uh, officially released Clay Thompson will not be playing this season. Are you surprised? No, because they want a lottery pick. They want the number one pick. Makes sense. Definitely makes sense. I don't Mm -hmm. know that he was really going to accomplish much there. I just personally, having drafted him in my fantasy team, I was looking forward to it. No chance to Clay Thompson, although I do love sideline reporter Clay Thompson. He is currently my favorite sideline reporter. I think uh, Doris would better watch her back because, you know, if his knee uh, does not heal properly, he's got a full career waiting for him there. And, of course, in the West Coast, you can't talk about injuries right now without uh, a little bit of paranoia, perhaps, that's starting to creep around LeBron James's groin injury. Now, I personally don't like to spend a whole lot of time talking about another man's groin, but LeBron's groin uh, has been the subject of some consternation in L.A., having missed uh, a good chunk of last season with a groin injury. Mm-hmm. And he did play in the L.A. versus L.A. game back on the weekend and yep. performed admirably well, but um, he has, uh, I don't believe he was set to play tonight. Uh, he might be on the floor right now as we record. I do not know, but uh, LeBron with a mild groin injury. Let's just keep an eye on that. Uh, Anthony Davis, though, Glenn, playing very good basketball at this time. Have you uh, caught any of the Lakers games lately or managed to catch any highlights? Some highlights, highlights here and there. Um, it's one-two punch, man. Like AD and like LeBron James, like two, two of the top five players in the league, as far as I'm concerned, on the same team. They're, they're just going to crush it to the playoffs, and it's going to be an interesting matchup. I'm pretty excited to see what L.A. can do this year because, you know, as we always note, too, the league's a little bit better when the Lakers are one of the top franchises and they're bringing a little bit of that prestige back, which I always they enjoy do, yeah. seeing. Yeah. Um, but can I ask a question? Um, how do I put this? Dion Waiters? What? Who? What? Why is yeah. he playing for L.A.? <laughs> Why did they do that? <laughs> like, what is their deal yeah. with these broken, screwed-up human beings that can't get a job anywhere else? Like last year, they're handing out candy and free contracts to Rajon Rondo and Lance Stevenson and JaVale McGee, and now they pick up a guy who's been suspended by his own team no less than three times this friggin' season alone, and now they want him in LA. LeBron likes him? LeBron likes him probably, and he'll keep him in line, man. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure they got a plan. Man, I really hope that 
200 waiters, whatever he's paying LeBron, I just hope it's worth it's it. It's not like he's playing like last night, two nights ago, he was on the. He hasn't even, I don't DNP. think he's played a minute yet, but. No, no they're waiting a couple days. But why is he even signed into a contract? They're half, like, if the Raptors have done anything else, they have definitely proven that there are some undrafted talents outside the NBA right now who are absolutely Tons. worthy of a job in the NBA. Yeah, I don't think that Dion Waiters is better than any of them. At this point, I would rather have Terrence Davis than Dion Waiters. Hell so, yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't totally understand that decision by LA, but uh, I don't know. It's, a, it's a, if it doesn't work out, LeBron can always fire Frank Vogel and see what happens after that. So, yeah. uh, moving back to the uh, East Coast for a moment here, Kemba Walker. He's had a really interesting season, in and out of the lineup, yeah, yeah, and yeah. constantly getting injured. He had that one terrible-looking uh, neck injury from a few months ago. Yeah, uh, he bounced was, back from that pretty well. I'm, I'm really glad well. to see him on the floor. Like, yeah, because that was a scary one ball. game after yeah. that happened. It was pretty. Yeah, I think it goes to show that um, what you would call it uh, contract year Kemba is the best Kemba <laughs> perhaps first year in his contract a lot of players it's best. funny to see that actually yeah, a lot it's... of players you know interestingly enough the players <laughs> really <Lee>. wear <laughs> anyways yeah um, so Boston has been struggling a little bit they are pulling yeah. up right now in the number three seed in the uh, Eastern Conference they've yet to clinch a playoff spot which of course the Bucks and the Raptors already have so. I actually believe they just clinched tonight uh, oh, by beating they? Indiana Oh, very good. Well, mm-hmm. good for Boston then. Um, Jason Tatum playing out of his mind. I mean, that guy's been, mm-hmm. you know, definitely a top ten talent in the NBA this year. Yeah. yeah, he's been uh, he's been really showing out and showing a lot of various skills all over the floor. I think that's uh, Tatum's biggest strength at this point is the fact that he's doing everything really well in every different spot. That guy can shoot from everywhere. He can pass to everywhere. Yep. He can handle the ball everywhere. He's great crossing off his left, crossing off his right. ISO plays, working in a system. So. And this they, year was just working well. on the consistency. Like at the beginning of the year and, and in other years, he'd have a couple great games and then slag off a bit and a couple great games. Mm-hmm. And this past month or two, it seems like he's more consistently had that A game on a night after night basis when, when they, you know, they're at a point that they need him to try. And if they're going to try and get the number two spot, something like that, they need that. And, well, he's on my fantasy team, so thanks. <laughs> I personally enjoyed this know. consistency because I was—I've been frustrated with him earlier in the year because of that lack of consistency. I personally don't know if um, Boston's capable of getting that second seed unless the Raptors really start to collapse. I think that you know they've built a little bit of a lead tough. there, so. And I do know that they have a bit of a tough schedule going down the stretch, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess good luck to Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, ending on the uh, West Coast, guys, Paul George once again has returned from injury. And uh, this one was a, um, another hamstring injury, I believe, which he's gone down with twice. So a bit of a lost year again for Paul George after sort of creeping in the MVP conversation in his final year at OKC last year and then making this big dramatic switch to the Clippers. That experiment hasn't really worked out too much in the uh, regular season yet, but... We can point out that when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are in the lineup and they basically have a healthy lineup, they were 10-0 and up until their loss against the Lakers on uh, Sunday evening there. So I think that says a lot about the Clippers' potential, even with Kawhi Leonard still managing his loads. And, uh, he hasn't uh, missed that many games this year, though. Kawhi? Less than last year. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, how nice for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Very happy for them. But uh, honestly, guys, looking at it, and I know we spent a lot of time talking about this today, Joe. I love the way that the Clippers are made up. I think they've got a great coach. They've got a great system in play, and they've got a lot of good pieces. They've also been adding people here and there, too. I mean, they got Reggie Jackson on that team now, yep. yeah. um, who's been, at times, a proven performer in the NBA. I don't know that he's enjoying his best play now. 
Marcus Morris has uh, definitely uh, you know given them some. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he arrived, he, uh, he 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 touched down in a big major way there. So uh, ultimately, for me, it comes down to LA versus LA in the conference finals. I think the whole NBA is basically banking on that. But sure, yeah, I don't really see a lot of other teams that could beat. Maybe Denver, maybe Utah, but they're outside looking in. Yeah, I think that's uh, very fair to say. So the Clippers are hitting their stride right now. Good for them. Uh, And a team that is not hitting their stride and has been struggling and is continuing to struggle Mm -hmm. that we projected actually would do a lot better this year. Mm -hmm. The Portland Trailblazers in a tough position battling for the uh, eighth spot right here. Um, Currently battling, I believe, with... uh, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, and even trying to creep up on the Oklahoma City Thunder. But, and New Orleans, actually. That's They're right. looking at the standings the right now, and, and everyone's at 28 is, wins, really. Yeah, the Kings are chasing that thing, Sacramento, too, right? so, New Orleans, yeah. and Portland all have 28 wins yeah. right behind Memphis. So. Well, they are happy to get Damian Lillard Not in the playoffs. Because when Damian Lillard was uh, on fire on Fuego a month ago, uh, that team was playing very well, and he was dropping 50 points oh, here yeah, and there, just like lighting it up. He could be, you know, like when you look at it, he could be doing sort of, he's having the types of seasons that you were seeing at a career, uh, Kyrie Irving, you know, three, four years ago, you know. They're and not even a say 500 he, team, like, uh, yeah. it's going to be tough, right? Well, they do have uh, Josef Nurkic is coming back now. He's coming yeah. back this weekend after horrifically breaking his leg a year ago. Yeah. Again, I was watching that one, and uh, that was just, that was ugly. sin when it happened. I saw the foot turn, and I was like, ooh, it reminds me of Gordon Hayward. That's not good. Oh, but it's enough so time to start going downhill here and, and catching up on some of these teams. And well, might be a point where it's a little bit too late. Whoever makes yeah. it to that eight spot, you go ahead and have fun with LeBron in the first round. <laughs> I can say as a Toronto fan how that's working for luck. us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <we're> Woo! <laughs> Again, it goes back to would you rather be a middling team or an eight seed that gets destroyed and True. not not get a good draft pick, or would you just kind of – Give up and get a good pick, right? Uh, well, that's uh, I don't get paid to make those decisions, Joe. So I, I, I just, do not either. I don't even get paid to talk about it, if yeah, I'm honest. Exactly, yeah. Uh, we do this for free. It actually costs me money. Uh, okay, last thing before we go to break. Uh, Joe, you wanted to throw a special shout-out to a uh, very special player, a local guy. Do you want to uh, cue us up here? What are we talking about here? Yeah, a couple weeks ago... Um, the Golden State Warriors signed a player by the name of Michael Mulder. He's from uh, Etobicoke, Ontario, Canada. That's basically uh, Toronto for all those Toronto, listening. Yeah. It's a suburb of Toronto. Or it's attached to Toronto. It's or if you watch where I live, thank yeah, you very much. Yeah. It's 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 um, a great great little spot. But in his first six games uh, that he had on his ten day stint, he put up averages of twelve point three points, three point two rebounds, one point three assists. In almost 30 minutes a game playing guard for for the Warriors. Now, after the Russell trade and with Curry not not 100%, um, of course, they just needed a guard to play. There's a lot of opportunity there. There's a lot of opportunity there. But they rewarded him with with a a uh, non-guaranteed multi-year contract. So... Uh, congratulations to, to him for uh, for getting to the league and and putting up some numbers again. And it's still the NBA, right? Like you're you're still playing against great players on the other side. So uh, congratulations, Michael. And we are still a Canadian-based podcast. We are always going to show show love to the uh, Canadian players who are That's breaking right. into the NBA. So. Uh, Michael Mulder, we are proud of you. We are shouting you out, and we hope to see you do big, big, big things in the Bay Area. And you know, sorry that you aren't going to like the actual championship quality Golden State Warriors, but you go ahead and make your bones, big man. <laughs> With the potential first round pick and Clay and Steph back next year, you never know. They could do very well. <laughs> Lots of work well. to be down there. And they have Andrew Wiggins. It's nice to see two uh, Canadian so, yeah, players true. together, yeah, too. Andrew so. Wiggins. And, you know, that other guy. 
Draymond. All right. Well, we're going to head to break. And when we come back, uh, Joe and I are going to tell a little story about a wild thing we did a couple weeks ago. And then we are also going to have to talk about some not so fun stuff like diseases and dumpster fires. So stay with us. We will be right back. This week's question, to no one's surprise, is a Toronto Raptor-based one. Which current member of the Toronto Raptors was drafted at the highest position? Raps fans, think about this one. Really think about it. It's not going to be your first, second, or likely even your third choice. Good luck. type of thing that I would normally want to uh, talk about on our Hoop and Harm podcast, but the fact of the matter is Joe and I got to do something pretty intense a couple weeks ago. Uh, Through a connection that we have through Molson and Coors, we got to enjoy a day as Toronto Raptors Fantasy Camp members. Now, essentially what that meant was uh, Joe and I showed up to the arena around three o'clock, signed Mm -hmm. in. Uh, they fed us a little bit of fruit, some cookies, banana bread, that type of thing, just a nice light little snack, and then sent us off to a dressing room where, uh, Joe, we were treated to some uh, pretty intense little swag in there. I remember watching the the look on your face. You were like a kid in a candy store when you walked up to that chair. What did they hook us up with? So um, the first thing that they got that we had to, when we registered, give them the information, was a custom jersey. So I got my uh, Kyle, Lowry, Kyle Lowry over everything uh, jersey, Kalo number seven. Uh, we got a replica championship ring. Uh, we got some wireless headphones and uh, championship shirt swag and uh, and things like that. So yeah, Formal walking in, insulated yeah, water bottle. Yeah, yeah that was. But uh, definitely, it was the the championship ring that uh, is that little piece of memento after your championship shirts fade and die after being washed too many times. It's that one memento of the moment that is always going to be there, hopefully, and and that was extra special. It was really, really neat to walk in there and just see our, you know, names hanging up. But they didn't have a jersey that they could give me in my size with my name on it. So I just got a Kyle Lauer jersey, which yep. is awesome. Fine, yeah. And uh, then they took us through a, uh, a really cool practice. They actually brought us up to the Raptors practice court on the third level of uh, Scotiabank Arena. Mm-hmm. They ran us through a bunch of drills and Offensive shooting drills and, defense, and that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, Offensive drills, defensive drills. Uh, Joe and I were playing like keep away with each other and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. It was just a, a really, really wild time. And I'll tell you, I gave my all in that practice session because oh, yeah, something sure. told me that if I did, I would get like more court time in an NBA <laughs> game or on the floor or something because we we're playing a proper game afterwards. Uh, turns out it was all just done on numbers. Just standing far away, I was just number 11. Uh, but uh, I definitely made the most of that practice session. I, was, oh, sure. uh, I broke exactly. up a really good sweat. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly after that, they took us out for uh, or back into the arena. They brought us into their little restaurant. They had a nice buffet set up with some fish, steamed veggies, all that kind of stuff. And we got right, to yeah. uh, chat with some of the other folks that were there for the fantasy camp. I think there was in total like 32 or 34 of us. And while we were enjoying our meal, we were looking down at the court and we could see the earlier session from earlier in the day. And we watched the other two teams playing. That was kind of cool. And their game went right down to the wire. Yeah, final, did, yeah. final shot, you know, at the buzzer and all that. And they had Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse coaching one of the teams. That was cool. 
And uh, then while we were enjoying our meal, just after that, we got to meet Jack Armstrong, the voice of the Raptors. Yeah, Jack so, came up and we chatted for a bit. Yeah, he's a heck of a guy. He told us some pretty good stories about um, the fellas that Joe and I were sitting with at our table uh, on a restaurant up in Orangeville. And somehow they wound up at a golf tournament with Jack Armstrong. And uh, they were telling us the story of uh, how the tournament was a day after the parade. And Jack showed up along with some other uh, Raptor staff, and they were all just completely bombed still. Like, they oh, were like hungover, that, yeah. but like hair of the dog that bit them. Like they were still drunk and still going hard. And uh, so as they're telling us the story, Jack wanders over, over to our table to say hello to us. And he looks at the guys. He's like, don't I know you guys from somewhere? No, I'm not putting that on. That's actually what Jack sounds like. And <laughs> he looks at them. He's like, don't I know you? And then they go, yeah, yeah, we were at the golf tournament with you. And you were super drunk. And he's like, that's right. That's right. And then I asked him, so Jack... Who was drunker? Who was who had the worst hangover the next day? Was it you or Marcus Ole? And he immediately said, "Oh, Mark, definitely, Mark, definitely yeah. Mark." And that yeah. was not the last bad hangover that Mark had that summer. Yeah, <laughs> so, gave us a great couple stories about how the guys behaved that day and some of the parties that went down. So, really cool to get to meet the uh, voice of the Raptors. And after that, they brought us down and. Uh, we actually got to meet. Uh, oh, sorry, there was a uh, Q and A with uh, Joe host, or sorry, Jack hosted a Q and A with uh, who did we get to meet that day, Joe? Matt Thomas and uh, Terrence Davis, uh, which was really great. They seemed like pretty down to earth people. Uh, hearing Terrence Davis's story from from having his son just before the NBA draft and not getting drafted, and um, you know how how that hurt, and how his son was his inspiration to kind of turn his life around a little bit. You know, he kind of admitted he might have been a little. Bit, a little bit arrogant and and not really focused and and how that he talked that a lot refocused. about focus yeah yeah that that his son refocused and it was nice to just understand a little bit more behind the player yeah. and and that it seems like the the Raptors were the perfect situation for him because having people like Fred that was undrafted and you know he says he has a really close relationship with Serge now and that they've turned into not just teammates but friends and they've the Raptor players have taught him what it takes to be a champion to be a multi-year NBA player and um it seems like he's taking that to heart and and that focus and, and trying to you know make a life for his son by by having a multi-million dollar guarantee contract is, is important to him so uh, yeah, it was really great to, to know a little bit more and, and about uh, Matt Thomas's journey from Spain and and into the NBA and, and how that transitions work for him. And, and same thing, him talking about uh, what coming onto a championship team has, has meant for, for their careers. As rookies, right? As rookies, That's another yeah. big deal. Like there's a, uh, it's difficult to imagine. I sort of, the, Jack talked about it a fair bit. I remember in that Q&A saying that it's, you can really like for a young player you can set them up for failure if you put them in on a crappy team with a crappy coach right at the beginning like mm-hmm. they're going to struggle early in their poor career. just uh, poor uh, habits they yeah, develop pick poor up a habits. lot of bad habits right off the hop and you know i think the best example i can think of that is it's taken him years to sort of move past it but um d'angelo russell yeah when he first came to the nba he was a kid he didn't have a whole lot of um maturity at that point and he mm-hmm. did basically everything wrong in his first couple years in LA there and you know picked up some bad habits and now he's starting to come out of a shell as a as a man and as a player and so it was interesting to hear these guys talk about how professional everything was behind the scenes for the Toronto Raptors but what struck me the most was Terrence Davis talking about all the habits that Kyle Lowry keeps and he said there are just a million things that don't happen in front of a camera that you would never see but he said he's never known a pro like Kyle Lowry Yeah. yeah and I think you know I hope sort of like you know the young players coming up today like i'm starting to get into don cherry territory here but like all you kids listen up right here um if you 
follow. If you pick somebody, if you're going to pick somebody to to, to model yeah, your game yeah. after, make sure they've got habits like that. Make sure that they're you know they've got that reputation that Kyle Lowry clearly has. But uh, moving on, Vaughn. Yeah, you know, like I think when I met him and for for a photo op, he uh, he just mentioned. I mentioned to him, oh man, Terrence, you threw down a vicious dunk last night. And he's like, what? I don't even remember that. And Thomas like looks out. You don't remember that? That was crazy. Like, Norm- <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, remember Norm was dancing on the. Oh yeah, that's right. They really do have this mentality of that game is over, mm-hmm. and then they move on to the next one. Even if they have this highlight Sports Center top ten play, they don't even kind of almost remember it. They just keep moving yeah. forward. So you don't see that a lot in like yeah, the NBA know. these days. There's like yeah. still reeling on the dunk they had like two weeks ago. You know? Exactly. Oh, so he was like, oh yeah, I did kind of throw that da- that tomahawk mm-hmm. down. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. And he is a vicious right. dunker when he wants to be. Oh, yeah, a couple oh, yeah. games ago, he had a. I think all he did was he had two. I think he only had four points, if I'm not mistaken. But he had two, two thunderous dunks. Ridiculous yeah, dunk. Man has hops. Where yeah. He's crowning people, and I was actually surprised because uh, you know I our listeners would never see this, but uh, uh, I'm six foot two and like 225 pounds. I'm a big guy, and it's very rare that I feel small next to anybody. And I knew I would be like you know smaller than the average NBA player because I know I'm a little bit bigger than Kyle Lowry but uh, Matt Thomas and uh, Terrence Davis they don't look that tall but they're both about 6'4 yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that yeah. was sort of odd for me to you know mm-hmm. stack up next to those guys and be like oh wow it's been a little while since I've had to look up at anybody that's interesting mm-hmm. uh, after that uh, Joe it was the best experience of my life basketball wise they threw us out onto the court they set us up into two different teams we they hooked Canada, us up with we got the and now we got announced onto the, the court we got the throwback court which was even more important to me that was, that was <laughs> the old school Raptors goal. dino logo yep. on there and yep. yeah we got barked out at the beginning with Mark Strong like you know coming yep. in number 42 blah blah you know like it was uh, it was that's really right. neat to go through that and it took us it was a couple shifts before we managed to uh, get onto the court but I like that we managed to play together yeah uh, uh, we played pretty well our uh, I wouldn't say that uh, we had the strongest teammates on the floor along with us out there but not always uh, but we had was, uh, Nate uh, Bjorkgren um, who used to coach or has actually coached with Nick Nurse for a long time mm-hmm. uh, he, he introduced himself and yeah he he introduced himself in, in his history and uh, we had a lot of fun with him we chirped him on uh, uh, trying to get a coach's challenge uh, started <laughs> <laughs> and he, t- he completely shut us down, but yeah, we, we had a, we had a good time chir- chirping the coaches, and it's kind of even fun that like we're we're here chirping the assistant coaches yeah. of the Toronto Raptors, <laughs> and like they're having a laugh with us, and and I think you know as we we go on with the story, the overall impression was that that staff could have easily mailed in that day mm-hmm. and not really engaged with the people and not really cared, but they were having a good time and they were engaged with us. And they showed us a good time. And that, I think that was the most kind important thing. Class. And the players and the coaches didn't mail it in. And Jack and all those guys, they they were there and present to give us a great experience instead of just trying to you know pass it off as an obligation rather mm-hmm. than an enjoyment. And the fact that the game went in a bloody overtime and we managed to win it in OT. They skewed the rules so that it they would be a close did. game. Like we were up by like, what, six, eight points or something and running away with it. And they kind of... Well, at one point, yeah. Him. Well, yeah. I think they were only awarding us one point yeah, for a basket, two, and then two, yeah. and then yeah. Like I remember, I got an and one, and they were like, "Yeah, if you make the shot, there's no foul." And I'm like, "What? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. not how basketball works." Like, yeah. do you know who I am? Yeah, I'm Steph Summer of the Hoop and Harm Podcast. <laughs> I know a thing or two, <laughs> sir. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I got to pull off one of my favorite plays where I uh, spiked it ahead when uh, off the tip off instead of tipping it back, and I yeah, knocked it forward. It yeah. yeah, it was uh, that was really big to me. That felt I. Just, 
Shout out to DeAndre Jordan, who uh, taught me that when he was in uh, New York. He used to always do that with, I think, Carmelo Anthony, as I recall. Maybe I'm wrong about that. can't remember. But uh, all in all, that was a heck of a day. We got to meet the Larry O'Brien trophy Larry at the very O'Brien. end. Yeah, I touched it when I was supposed to. Yes, yes, you did touch <laughs> trouble. it. I touched it. Well, I, 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 a 20-year-old girl just like <laughs> yeah. bark at you for like half a second. It was yeah. not that oh, big yeah. a deal, I'd say. But it was, uh, it was really neat to meet the Larry O'Brien trophy. And we took about yeah. like 600 photos together yeah. with it. So maybe we'll throw a few more of those up on. And did you see, Joe, that they uh, released all the professional photos? Did they did. See? Yeah, they were actually excellent. I have yeah, a little file some... folder full of them now. Yeah, yeah me too. I downloaded great. a whole ton of them. And I was yeah. just I was really happy there's a, a good one of you and I out on the court together. So that was really, really and neat. And even uh, when the, one of our teammates at the game when he shot, we're all like jumping over them and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah it was, that was great. Neat. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, Glenn, I wouldn't do it without you again. So yeah. forget about it. Like, uh, we'll, we'll just find a way to score that third ticket because yeah. uh, you deserve that experience of playing on the yeah, ACC floor too. That was a really, really, really special time. So, uh, okay, guys, that was a really nice thing to talk about. It was a great, uh, a great moment for, for you and I, Joe. Uh, but uh, now at this point, unfortunately, the tone of this podcast is going to change just a little bit because we can't skip this. We have to talk about it. It's the number one story across planet Earth right now. And uh, unfortunately, it does seem to matter in the NBA. But we are talking about the COVID-19 or coronavirus, if you will. Um, so... What are we sort of looking at here, Glenn? Like, there's a, uh, there's been a lot of chatter about what might happen. What do we definitively know uh, is going to happen at this point? Like, do you know if there's changes so being made? A lot of teams in the sporting world are taking in North America are taking their precautions, and you have to. They're taking this a bit more seriously now that it's kind of spreading uh, throughout North America a bit quicker. I think in Boston alone, Massachusetts, what was it, 56 people? Today alone have uh, caught the, the virus. Uh, and in Spain, they, they're still playing soccer games, uh, but without any, without any uh, fans. So will we see that um, in the NBA or in North American sports? Quite possibly. And it's going to have talking a about huge it, right? effect. Yeah. yeah, it'll have a huge effect. And if they don't, uh, if the spread continues, then we can definitely see that too. You also have uh, media and non-essential personnel, right? For every major sports league, they all yeah. banded together and released a joint statement. Like that, NHL, NBA, the soccer league, like everybody. I don't recall a single time in my lifetime, except for maybe like around like, uh, maybe it happened around September 11th or something like that, but uh, where like all the major sports leagues consolidate with one press release. Yeah, press, yeah, I, yeah I just don't know weird. that that ever happened before. I mean, maybe it did. We'd have to do a bit of research to find that out, but uh, that caught me a little bit by surprise. But it makes sense if you're just limiting the amount of like international contact that you get you know if you think about media like you know if there's a guy you know everybody's changing and sweaty and grow yeah it's it's just yeah yeah, they're germ farms right so um without i don't you know and i don't want to editorialize too much about what's happening across the world with the uh sort of the hysteria of you know toilet paper and all this other crap and like just you know the way people are freaking out about it but guys i think we have to face the reality that um, you know, nobody's worried about not having toilet paper uh, at a major sporting event or something like that. But we are worried about, you know, one person coming in and potentially infecting like, you know, up to 20,000 people like over the course of uh, a couple of days as it all gets passed back and forth. So um, the NBA is now toying with the ideas playing without an audience there. And LeBron was the first major player to step up and say, I'm not doing that. If there's no fans in the stands, I'm not playing. Now he backtracked, I think, two days later. Uh, he said that he'll, you know, do as the NBA says, basically. And I don't think this is a shut up and dribble type of moment. I think this is him just realizing that that is the best option. Mm-hmm. But I can't even imagine. Canceling games is the only other 
yeah. or finding some sort of neutral site or, you know, like, I think he came to realize probably when someone kind of told him, like, okay, you well, mean when somebody educated fans, him about the situation, yeah, like if, if we're, if we're not going to play, if you don't want to play in front of no fans, the other alternative is to cancel games. And that's not an appropriate solution in you know, you know how much revenue they they're going to lose the revenue on the seeds, but to lose the TV revenue and to lose potentially lose all season, like uh, Yale, uh, the Ivy League canceled their NCAA mm-hmm. uh, tournament, so Yale is going to the tournament without a playoffs in the Ivy League. Mm-hmm. They're just they they were the regular season winners, no tournament for them, and Yale goes on Thanks to the, the March Madness. <laughs> yeah. wow. So you know they're. We are at a point where the other thing is some of these things could actually potentially get canceled, period. And it's so. not like there isn't a precedent already set this season for canceling a game or postponing a game at the very least. Because exactly. right after Kobe Ryan's death, they canceled mm-hmm. the Clippers versus Lakers. Yep. And I don't even know that they have rescheduled that yet. I think now. it's the end of the year, but yeah. still, yeah. yeah it's... There's... You know, there's a there's so many moving pieces to a 30 team league because you know we're talking about 29 different buildings and you know it should be 30 buildings, but we'll see what Steve Ballmer does if he winds up buying the one out in Inglewood. But um, you have all these different you have so many like here's the part that sort of gets me about all this. There are you know people working in these buildings yep. that rely on this money that they're not going to get paid. You know, like and there's. There's very few uh, labor protections for these folks. I know I'm a union guy, so that's where I take this. But mm-hmm. um, there is so much money on the table that could be lost through all this. And guys, we can't talk about all this. You know, if we're going to talk about the uh, the virus itself, the fact that um, it originated in China, and again, not to um, put the focus on China for this, but the NBA season began with China being very upset with the NBA with Daryl mm-hmm. Morey's tweet, tweet, excuse me, and the effect economically that that had on the NBA that was mm-hmm. you know they were talking over a billion dollars in loss in some cases right they were talking mm-hmm. about this affecting the salary cap for next year yeah. and now we're faced with the possibility that there could be playoff drives in certain cities where there are no fans in the stands yeah. can you imagine uh, all the money that the you know franchises have made like Cleveland Memphis and Golden needs, State you know, Memphis needs yeah. the money yeah. you know like I, yeah. like some of these I, I, I you know I, I don't have the full specifics of what goes on um financially for every NBA team but uh, like you were mentioning something uh, off air Joe about um, the Columbus Blue Jackets just basically saying like sorry we're playing our games even if you tell us that yeah the governor said of Ohio said you know you shouldn't have mass gatherings and they're like well we're okay for now you know but they're gonna go ahead and do it and I'll bet you it's because that club probably can't afford not to play that's pretty much that's what it gets down to like the 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 effects of this virus could put them in a receivership or something like that right so you know you don't you you know you but at the same time, like, that, you got to take the responsible. Yeah, path, you can't right? get like, 10, 15,000 people sick, right? I exactly. Mean, so, one joke that I will tell about all this is that there's a great meme going around saying, uh, if you want to avoid large crowds, come to a uh, Ottawa Senators game because right. there's goes. no one there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's just like if we're looking at sort of where the landscape is right now, we're recording this in uh, the 10th of March. Um, I mean, just fast forward, guys, to a couple months. Like, what does this look like in mid May? Like the NBA could be completely different. We could be in totally uncharted territory if this virus uh, expands the way it has been expanding. Now we have to note that China had some good success in, like you know, their their They've levels have been yeah, yeah yeah they sort of like peaked and now they've yeah. uh, the same with South Korea plateaued and gone yeah. down. But we have to hope that well, that's going to be hit possible. The peak yet here. Yeah, and so we don't even know what the peak that? would look like here. Yeah, exactly. So if we get into mid-April and we hit some sort of peak, looking at the timeline similarly, that's 
right at the start of playoffs and and what does that that mean for for the league so listeners we want to hear from you if you guys have thoughts on this hit us up on twitter hit us up on instagram um it's just you know we're curious to 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 see what people think is going to happen here because i personally i have no idea i mean i can sit here and project a few scenarios but you know that espn's throwing out there as well but it just kills me to think that um after all the hard work and effort and the uh, on the part of the players and everybody embedded in the organizations. And then, of course, the fans everywhere that, like, you know, this matters to so many people. I mean, you look at the rise of basketball in Canada um, after the Raptors winning the championship. To think that that could be stunted by something like a global epidemic, it's just sort of beggar's belief that we would even wind up in this scenario. But yet here we are. So, uh, you know, we hope that there's um, uh, going to be a solution presented to all this or, you know, God knows who, what's going to happen. But it is scary. I don't mind saying that. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> moving on to a different kind of scary because that's all the virus talk as I get my little cough out there. Guys, um, I don't know if I'm going to talk a lot about this one because it's just so bloody frustrating for me. But uh, Joe, what can you tell us about the, uh, the Spike Lee situation in New York City? What happened? What happened to Spike? Why was so, he on ESPN one morning waking so, us up with some nonsense? What happened? So Spike wanted to go to a basketball game. And Spike likes to go to basketball games he, in New York. Especially New York Nick basketball games for some ungodly reason. I don't know why, but he is a valued supporter of the New York Knicks. And apparently for the past 20-something years, he has been going through the employee entrance, entrance of Madison Square Gardens. 28 years. 28, 28 years. It's so almost 30 years he's been yeah. going in the employee entrance. Because um, this guy spends like millions of dollars on these tickets. And so apparently he goes in and the security guard, when he enters in, they scan his ticket and they say, and he gets in the elevator like he always does to go down to courtside. And because basically courtside in Madison Square Gardens is actually underground. Mm -hmm. So he gets to the elevator and the security guard's like, you can't come in here anymore. You need to go out and go in the VIP entrance outside the stadium and go in the VIP entrance. And Spike goes, well, first of all, yeah, I've been doing this for years. Second of all, you've already scanned my ticket. I'm not going outside and back in. Goes in, in. I know because you means. know you don't get scanned. These tickets don't scan twice as an anti-fraud measure. So, like, you know, if somebody doesn't notice me as being Spike Lee and is nice enough to let me in, you, I might not even get in the stadium again. And he's like, no way. Plus, I'm Spike Lee, and it's like, you know me. You I see me every work game. Here. Yeah, like. like he was there just a couple of days ago for uh, some sort of kids' charity event that, that Dolan threw uh, where they did To Kill a Mockingbird. In the, state. Yeah. Like, the guy goes there all the time. And it's like, okay. So and then he gets to – they go, fine, you take the elevator. He takes the elevator. He gets hassled more when the elevator opens, basically telling him to leave. They tried to perp walk him. They too, tried to perp walk him out of there. He, they've, he eventually convinces himself to uh, get into his seat and apparently has a discussion with uh, James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks. And uh, At which from, time the Knicks took a photograph, photograph from an elevated him. position up in the rafters yes. at the exact moment that James Dolan and Spike Lee shook, shook hands. hands. And the, Spike, but we don't know what they shook hands about. Spike true. says that they... It was not about him agreeing to go in the VIP entrance. Yeah. It was about something different. But the New York Knicks said it was that he was agreeing that he was at fault and that he'll go in the VIP entrance from now on. I don't know. So he went on ESPN absolutely losing his mind because he's like, yeah, and you know what? He, he's kind of right. He said, they never told me about this. And if they had, when I'm one day late on my season ticket, 
purchases and I got to pay a million dollars. They're on the phone. They're emailing me. Oh, they know my phone number. It's not yeah. like they can't contact me. But they won't tell me that they changed policy, which they have every right to do. And I don't think that spikes argument that changing the policy is an issue. Is that nobody advised him the policy had changed before he got there. And even if they did, and there is, See, you know, next time, they're saying, yeah, they're, they're all saying, yeah. you know, the Knicks are claiming that they've told him this uh, multiple times. And who knows? Maybe they have. He's very defiant Maybe. about it. Yeah. So I can, I can see a world where Spike Lee says, nah, screw you. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm going to do. Sure. But Glenn, don't you think at a certain point you just give up that argument and say, fine, everybody with Spike Lee uses the VIP entrance and the guy who's been here for 28 years, who's practically part of the furniture, you can take the employee entrance. Because isn't he practically an employee at this point anyway? Like, well, Glenn, what's your take on this? I think it's a he said she said kind of thing. Like we can't be, we can't know for sure what uh, what either one of them had a conversation with, and whatever they were shaking hands over. It's a total he said she said kind of thing. So I, I'm not on sides with Spike. I'm not on sides with James Dole and the rest of the clowns at the Knickerbockers uh, Association. I just, I just, I, I feel a bit bad because I walked past a poor, poor sap. Who was wearing a Knickerbockers hat, and I mumbled something I probably shouldn't have. I was like, "Why are you rooting for those chumps?" Uh, you know what? It just angers me that this happens to a, a storied franchise who should be doing well for themselves, and they're they're just not right now. Why are these they're like the, the laughing coming... stock of the NBA right now? Why are these the stories that like? Is there any positive story coming out of New York at any point in the last couple of years? Because it just seems like it's just one sort of forgive me for saying one shit show after another. And the way that their uh, PR team handled this, Joe, the release, the media release that they put forward. It's petty. I don't even want to read it here, but yeah. it was basically like everything was Spike's fault. Spike's an idiot. Yeah. And we stand by our employees kind of thing. And they, like, yeah. I'm not, I'm paraphrasing, but trust me, that was the, the tone of the message. Yeah. And interesting happened to me for the very first time in my life. I wrote a tweet that actually got uh, a little bit of notice. <laughs> Where I, uh, I basically rewrote it. I rewrote their press release for them and then just sort of tagged them in it. And it was like a nice, polite one saying, like, you know, we've, uh, we appreciate Spike's contributions to the New York Knicks franchise uh, over the last 28 years. We regret the incident on Monday and we've explained the new policies to him and we look forward to welcoming him at all future games. Something to that effect. Yeah. And that bloody thing blew up and everybody on the bloody internet said that I, uh, I should get a job as the. Uh, New York Knicks new PR manager or something like that and I was like I don't know I'm pretty sure I cussed them out and I think I called them stupid and senseless and all that so I don't think that they're about to offer me any work but uh, I've never had anything get like that many like views and likes and hits and all that and it was just the phone was buzzing for like three days about it and it just goes to show that there's a pissed off fan base out there and they're ready for anybody anybody else to run that show and the fact that, you know, it was like the talk of the sporting world in New York for a couple of days, it just really sort of explains like the, the frustrations of being a New York Knicks fan. It's at the point now, guys, where during games, and this is confirmed, fans are chanting, sell the team, sell the team so loudly that Dolan just has, I don't know if it's Dolan doing it, but somebody just turns up the, mu- the music and they play yeah. music during the game and they turn it all the way up to drown out the noise of their own fans begging Dolan to sell the team. So... Yeah, it's starting to get really bad there. Yeah, like that's as toxic a work environment as you're going to find. And so, you know, I think it sort of uh, explains why uh, Kyrie and uh, Durant decided to set up shop in Brooklyn, one of the boroughs, instead of in uh, Manhattan, which is, you know, ostensibly like the most sort of like, that's like the mecca of basketball. Like very clearly it's meant to be the center of the the basketball world. But 
and ultimately, they also lost uh, Spike Lee as a fan. He is done going back to games this year. So that is an absolute lose-lose, lose-lose, lose-lose-lose scenario. You know who it's a win for? Spike Lee for not subjecting himself to Knicks games That anymore. guy's got That's a lot a of free time that, that he can do. Win. He can spend it with his children. He can spend it doing charities. He can, like, I don't know, <laughs> Circle jerk with Denzel. I don't care. Yeah. He's going to be fine from here on out. <laughs> like, burning his eyeballs with the way they play basketball. Yeah, so. like, you know, it's basically it's like, Spike, what took you so long? For being honest, I think that that needed a little bit of attention. So, all right, well, that's enough talking about uh, our uh, fantasy camp and viruses and dumpster fires and all that. Um, and unfortunately, when we come back from break, we are going to have to touch on the loss of an icon. But uh, uh, I am, I have to say, looking forward to talking about Kobe Bryant. So, Please stay with us. We will be right back. Believe it or not, the highest draft position of any current Toronto Raptor player was Stanley Johnson. If you don't know who that is, that's okay because Nick Nurse barely knows him either. But Johnson was drafted 8th overall in 2016 and has a comfortable lead over most of his teammates in that regard. Man, I hope Kyle Lowry makes him buy team dinners for that. Okay, welcome back. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit tougher. This is sort of an unpleasant aspect about having a basketball podcast. Is sometimes you have to deal with the most unpleasant things uh, about the world of sports. And those are fewer and farther between, I think, as time goes on. Sports are generally really good escapism. It's where you go and, you know, you uh, as a fan, it's some place that you go to see, you know, things that you're routinely used to seeing. You go to watch greatness and excellence and sort of the, the best in the world doing what they're doing. But when that takes place and when you're watching the best of the world, it's hard, it's difficult as a fan, in my experience, to not start to become friends with these players in your own mind and you admire them and you, you respect them and you see so much of their lives. And when Kobe Bryant passed away in a tragic helicopter accident, we don't need to run down the details of this. If you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely aware of it. When it happened that day, um, Joe, you and I were coming back from... Mont Tremblant. We've been uh, right, visiting yeah. with our friends for the weekend. Mm-hmm. We had a cabin up there with a bunch of our mates, and we just come off this like fantastic weekend. And you and I are driving down um, between Montreal and Toronto, and uh, I get a text from a friend of mine saying, "Yo, what's up with your boy?" And I go, "What?" He's like, "Kobe's dead." And I was like, "Shut up, bro." Yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, like, and I remember I look over at you. I'm driving. Yeah. I was like, "My buddy's saying Kobe's dead. What's well, up like, with that?" Like, like I saw him last night on TV because yeah. LeBron had just passed. Um, yeah, his his totals, yeah, yeah yeah, and it was like he was there at the game. He was there yeah. with Jana, and it was like uh, uh, I was like, "No, that's, that's impossible." Because he was like just last night. We saw him on TV. He's not yeah. dead. And sure enough, um, a helicopter crashed into the side of the mountains. And I mean, I don't want to get lost in the weeds about how that happened or our helicopter safe or any of that stuff. That's discussion for a different type of podcast. But guys, I'm 39 years old, going on 40. Um, I'm two years younger than Kobe Bryant. And everything that he did when I was a kid 
um, I saw it in the news and I thought that it was like a, it was like watching somebody from my generation. It was like watching one of my contemporaries taking over the NBA. We knew he was big when he came in straight out of high school. Um, all that swagger and all that, uh, uh, that shine that he had on him. And this is before, you know, the internet was so big and, you know, you would just see him on newspaper panels and that kind of thing, but he had something to him. And with that year in his rookie year, when he won the dunk off and everything, it was just there. I think it was the year. Was it the year after his rookie year? Was it in his rookie year that he won the dunk off? I think it was the year after. Yeah. He was 18, I think, when he won the dunk off, right? But he, uh, it was just so impressive. And I was so excited. And frankly, he was just, you know, one of my like earliest basketball sports heroes. It was sort of like down to he and Allen Iverson were the guys that I most enjoyed watching. They were the ones that played the game the way I like to play and all that. I wasn't a very big kid, so I couldn't, you know, do the Shaq moves and all that kind of stuff. But, um, when his star blew up, it was just personally, it was like a really big deal for me. So when we got the news and we started to confirm it over Twitter, um, I just remember my heart sinking and I looked down at my feet and I'm wearing my Kobe Bryant shoes. And I realized back home, uh, in my closet, I have all these basketball jerseys. For those that know me, I don't collect many things, but one of the things I do collect is old school basketball jerseys. I've got four Kobe jerseys, you know, like these things, like that guy mattered and he was just so larger than life and even as a like i mean do you remember i had people over at his last game when he scored the 60 and we're all cheering him on against utah and like <laughs> thanking gordon hayward for lane violations and everything like <laughs> it was just such a big deal and guys i just don't really know what to make of it now like i'm, I'm sitting here and i'm saying these words and i'm struggling to sort of express how much like why did he mean so much and why am i so bummed about it like why was i was like upset and I still, you know, we're talking like over a month later now, six weeks later, I'm still upset about it. I think mm -hmm. about it all the time. What's it like for you? I don't know. I I personally have a, a struggle really with completely idolizing the, the these people. Um, you know, Kobe had his good sides and his bad sides, and I just enjoyed watching him play the game of basketball. We would always give you a hard time about Kobe. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's not the greatest of all time and, and give me a, a hard time. But yeah, let me jump in there one second. You know, I also have to say too, like this is, this is another thing that made it difficult for me is that for years, we, like Joe we, said, yeah, we gave I him a hard time. Yeah. Defended like, Kobe. You have to understand this is like yeah. 20 years I've defending been defending Kobe, Kobe Bryant from Joe. The haters. <laughs> and yeah. For, Joe, <laughs> Mark knows where these, yeah. these other hassles we know. Fuck you guys. <laughs> like, how do you feel now, jerks? Yeah, so, you know, I just feel that at the end of the day, he, he did, I do recognize he meant a lot to other people. I think um, in the, after his career ended and in the latter years of his life, he, he really put a lot of time into promoting the women's game and, and that that side of things as well and, and spending time with his family uh, from being in a tumultuous time pre previously with them and, and dedicating that time. And, and it just shows, you know, yeah, the hashtag girl dad and, and things. And, you know, as a dad myself, uh, I think he realized what really mattered in life a little bit later. Yeah, he came in with the bravado and he was a high school kid uh, when he became a millionaire. And, and I think it just took him a little bit of time to... To, to come to grips with that and and to be uh, you know proper about it and and I'm proud of him for that so yeah to me I'm bummed out but you know it's it's not the end of the world to me but it's always sucks to lose a life and and especially his daughter and the other people in the, that helicopter as well I'm sad for all of them you know it's sad 
Um, and I've had it happen in my own family when you lose people before their time. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's always a, a tragedy. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sad about Kobe, but I'm sad about his daughter. I'm sad about all the other people in that helicopter as well. It, it sucks for, for the entire community uh, of basketball. So, Glenn, what was it like for you? When, like, where were you when you heard the news? I was watching sports of some kind, probably the Raptor game, I guess. Something it was. It was on the Sunday, yeah. yeah. And and you you text me stuff yeah. saying that oh my god, Kobe died in a helicopter crash, and I knew you weren't joking, mm -hmm. but but I didn't react at first. I was just like, this is crazy. This is nuts. Yeah, this is nuts. Like, what the hell? What just happened? So I, I just kind of let it settle for a bit, and I didn't know what to really think, and then. The Raptors were playing. Mm -hmm. The Raptors were playing. And they were the they first got, team to yeah. tip off after the news. That's, That's right. They were playing San Antonio, I think. Yes, yeah, they, they were. were. They were playing San Antonio. And they did a, a tribute for the 24-second um, shot clock. And they, they just let on it ride sides, on both yeah. sides. Mm -hmm. That was a nice tribute. But they had to play during that game. And yeah. you can just tell... Kobe was loved in the the NBA community. community. Yeah. He was it's, it's such a peer to so many players. Um, it was... I'm kind of on Joe's side too. I, I I was never the biggest fan of Kobe, but I respect the hell out of what he did as a as a player as a and a person right? yeah. competitor. Yeah. Like nobody has the drive that Kobe has. Like that guy slept like three or four, five three to five hours a night, and the rest of the time waking hours he was like dedicated to being the best he could be. And he took everything so seriously Serious. all the time, right? Like that's what they call it, the Mamba mentality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just thinking back to some of the things that he did that I thought were so amazing. Like, and, and okay, let's talk about in the basketball world. What did he do? He was an assassin. Mm -hmm. I've been saying for the longest time, and Colin Espeset, the good friend of ours, we're going to throw a shout out to Colin because he's the one who put it the best to me, where he said, when the game is on the line in the history of basketball, if you can pick one player to take that shot. I always use the example of, like, if aliens come down and tell us we got to hit a three to save everybody. Mm -hmm. who's taking that shot with you a hand in their Kobe, face, yeah. I'm taking Kobe. Yeah. Over MJ, over Kevin Durant, over Steph Curry, over everybody, I'm taking Kobe because you know what? That guy hit him mm -hmm. all the time. He loved those late clock situations. He demanded the ball and he executed and he did it. You know, It's not like, I don't want to throw shade at Russell Westbrook or something, but Russell takes those shots all the time. He almost never makes them. Yeah. You know, he's brutal. He's like under 20% or something like that. Mm -hmm. But Kobe Bryant had a strong, strong, strong career with the ball in his hands and he was always the guy with it, right? And I was thinking back to um, when the uh, when the Lakers just ran through everybody that one year. I think it was 2003, perhaps, where or was it 2001, where they played the um, uh, Sixers. Yeah, yeah, and the Sixers won the first game. Yeah. And it was in Philadelphia. And Kobe being from Philly, playing against Philly in the NBA mm -hmm. Finals. And he just straight up like cussed out Philadelphia, the city. Like he didn't care. He just he had words for them, and all of a sudden Philly turned on him, and all the cheers turned into booze all overnight because he said he was coming to like take their soul or something like that. And I was like, well, that takes some stones to say that. And you look at the things that he did uh, outside the NBA as an active player in that time. He was you know pushing Adidas. He was you know the first guy I remember being a big Adidas player. He was jumping over pits of snakes and you know Lamborghinis. I realized all that stuff was mocked up, yeah. but it was like the first like viral basketball video. Yeah, it was. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it got eyes on a product in a way that like nobody had ever tried doing before and you knew that that had his stamp on it. Like it was Kobe Bryant being Kobe Bryant in it, you know? Mm -hmm. And as his career progressed and he had all that success as a player, I mean working with some of the best players in the league, he played with some of the greatest, right? I mean this guy played with Carl Malone, he played yeah. with Gary Payton, he played with Shaquille O'Neal. Mm -hmm. um, it's amazing how many... Yeah. 
yeah, like, you know, he played with a lot of great players and they all always said the same thing. You know, his reputation stayed the same the entire time that he was just the ultimate competitor. And, you know, while it's very difficult to, and Joe, you and I have talked about this at length, it's very difficult to um, talk about Kobe Bryant without talking about uh, the rape charges against him in Colorado. And there's been enough made of that. And I don't necessarily want to get into all that here. But my response to that is to those who brought it up uh, at that time and say, like, you know, I don't want to give Ari Shafir any shine for what he said because that was just stupid, all around stupid. Ari Shafir, if you're listening, dummy, what the hell are you thinking? Um, if you're going to talk about that and you say like, okay, if you're going to talk about Kobe, you have to include everything about Kobe, then great. Let's sure. talk about what else he was yeah. on top of like, you know, the rape charges and everything and he went through. Everything. Okay, yeah. you know, talk about the good and the bad, great. Let's talk about some more of the good. This guy's an Olympian. Mm-hmm. Polly Lingott, uh, an Academy Award winner. And somebody who pushed the the game of like female basketball in a way that no star ever leaving the NBA ever did, right? Like Kobe had love for the ladies and he was training his girl. Like he always said, because Jonna was their second daughter, right? Um, he always talked too about how Jonna was going to be like, she's like, you think I'm amazing? This girl's going to be big. And I remember sitting in that car when we were looking at the tweets and I was thinking to myself, if this happened on the way home from that game, I think it was in Denver. I think the Lakers were in Denver when they uh, when LeBron passed Kobe. And I remember thinking to myself where I was just like, man, I hope Jonna wasn't on that helicopter. And then it turns out that she was and everything. And it's like, oh, man, like that light got snuffed out way too soon. So as tragic as it was for Kobe, like we don't know what Jonna would have become, but she was certainly a, a she was by also all accounts. well known in the WNBA circle already. Like yeah. The, the yeah, yeah. female players in WNBA, they she all knew who she was. Like, she was good. And they were, they were very excited. And they said when, when she would come to games, she'd just like have this like – just big eyeballs and looking at them and going like that's what I want yeah. like it wasn't that Kobe forced on there she like she looked had at that it and went too. I, I want this yeah. and and the, the girl it, I forget uh, who it was I think it was, they were on the Daily Show talking about it and how, how much she wanted it and and they could see it in her eyes and they were uh, excited for th- that for her and, and were saddened when, when they didn't she didn't make it but you know there's always good and bad in everybody's life you know I, I think all of us around this table could say that we've made mistakes in our lives and and to say that Kobe never made a mistake in his life is ignorant that's wrong yeah it's it, not how it but, um, I, I think at as best as he could I think he realized his mistakes and tried to amend for them both with his family with the public and for women in general and that doesn't take away from anything he did um, but you know, we all try to just be a better person day after day. And, and it seems like he tried at least when you consider how some professional athletes respond to they keep doing domestic it. abuse allegations or rape allegations mm-hmm. or things like this, like, you know, the, when it comes up, rarely do you see an athlete respond to become a better person and a better player and like just all mm-hmm. around become better that after person. that. Usually it's the beginning of the end when somebody starts yeah. getting in trouble with the law like that. I mean, it's a tale as old as time. Yeah. You know, this guy's thrust into a life of superstar and he's got tons of money before he knows what to do with it and all that, right? And he was clearly, yeah. Even I mean, then, like, he was yeah, so like, young. Then. In his own words, yeah. he had an encounter with her that he understands she would describe it as non consensual. Yeah. That was his admittance yeah. of guilt, if you will. And the fact that as he became older and became like, you know, a man with four daughters and all that, like the fact that he was able to be accepted as a girl dad Mm -hmm. and the hashtag was trending after he died, girl dad. It was like the center focus of his life was the fact that he was raising four girls and all that and that he had respect and that he wasn't 
clearly like somebody who regularly abused women he became a better human for it mm. i think that's a story and i think that's something that you know you never heard those stories ever again yeah. after that like yeah uh, there was yeah, no yeah, rumors was the or end, anything right? yeah. it was the end so. and i think it speaks a lot to um his uh his widow to vanessa for how she was able to overcome all that and yeah. guys you know we got to give her some props and some praise for the way that she handled that memorial mm-hmm. i think that was you know i mean god can you imagine a, a worse kind of hell yeah. than having to publicly talk about your dead husband in front of 20,000 people and, and, and everybody streaming yeah. and like you know your daughter dying of course throughout it all like having your family just completely destroyed by that um i think vanessa deserves a lot of credit and uh you know some credit for that will of course go to colby because they were a support group together and everything right so mm-hmm. um lots of praise for that uh, that family for how they've uh, champed up and handled it and for the donations and the way that um the world uh embraces tragedy without and embrace their family i thought it was just really sweet to see but uh one final point that i want to make on this and i think this can't be overstated if any good came out of this event it was in the fact that shaquille o'neal and the rest of the tnt panel i just know Shaq was sort of at the center of all this he's the one i was most focused on the day after um kobe died and the la versus la game was postponed and the TNT crew set up at center court at the Staples Center, lights down, just some spotlights on them, and they just told Kobe stories. Mm-hmm. And it was handled in such a classy way. But the point that I want to make here is that Shaquille O'Neal is, in my lifetime, the largest man of my life. He's the biggest personality. He's the, the loudest, the most, you know, sort of exuberant guy. Like, he was just such a, a larger-than-life character. And for a black man of his nature to be able to go on television and reveal his emotions and cry and talk about how he's feeling without ridicule amongst his peers and online, like he was embraced for doing that. I think that does signal a little bit of a change in how uh, men can act and behave in those scenarios. And I think it's a progression. And if nothing else, it's like the final gift that Kobe gave to the world of the NBA is like, that's the first time I really remember seeing that where guys are able to bring that those emotions out and they're not vilified or ridiculed or anything for it so what were your impressions of all that glenn when you're watching all that stuff go down like how did you think the world reacted to it just gonna miss a legend like i watched that tnt panel and and they did a great job the all-star game they did a really good tribute to kobe and it's well deserved kobe was he had his he wasn't perfect but he he was well liked within the community, so everyone's uh, everyone's on board with it. Joe, what were your thoughts on uh, the TNT panel and everything that followed? It was really classy, and um, I, I didn't think that they could come up with something like that at, at such short notice. It must have been hard for them mm-hmm. to to fill that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that idea that they came up with was novel and different and uh, unique. And um, I, I think that they did as well as they could do under the circumstances because it's really hard, you know, even just sitting here in a microphone talking about it. Never mind, as you said, in front of a nationalist audience on live television is heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, when your heart's breaking, it's, it's just rough. So um, I just give all respect to them and what they were able to achieve. Well, the game certainly lost a legend, and uh, the world lost a, a pretty active human who was, you know, I mean, he's 41 years old, going yeah. on 42. This guy was still, you know, possibly entering the prime of his life, yeah. certainly as a father and as a, you know, contributing member of society, like once his athletic career was over. I mean, 
Next thing he did after that was he won an Academy Award for talking about basketball, right? So That's right. Um, I think it's a shame that, you know, he, uh, he had to go out the way he did. Um, and obviously the, you know, the, the real impact of this will be felt in the things that don't happen going forward. And I think that that uh, is best expressed through what won't happen with, uh, with John O'Brien. I mean, that was a young girl who was not even close to the prime of her life. Like she hadn't even learned how to live yet or anything like that. So mm-hmm. super tragic. And, you know, I'm sorry that we had to talk about it today, but this is a big deal for me. I wanted, you know, we've got a platform for it and I just yeah. sort of really wanted to uh, put my thoughts out there on it and try and draw that silver lining at the end of the day. I think it is a big deal that guys like Shaq and Charles Barkley are able to go out and cry on TV and still have their jobs the next day. Cause there was a period of time where that might not have been the case. And uh, publicly thank Kobe Bryant for all the great memories for all the, uh, years of entertainment and um wish uh wish well to his family his organization everybody knew him his friends and uh compatriots in the game and in life and you know we just have to hope that uh something like this doesn't happen again i mean it's a it's a random occurrence nobody believed it when it first came up and i don't know that uh, we'll believe it the next time something like that happens but it's a reminder to all of us uh go home hug your loved ones you know keep them close keep them safe make sure all your last words to your uh uh, your peers and your loved ones are good ones. Like, you know, when you leave a conversation, imagine to yourself that that's the last time you'll ever speak to them and, you know, you'll uh, you'll conduct yourself the right way going forward. So I'd say that's enough sadness about Kobe Bryant. We're uh, getting ready to close out the show here. And uh, Joe, if you don't mind, uh, let's end on a bit of a funnier note when we take on the uh, tweet of the week here. So uh, I don't know. I'll just tee you up for it, buddy. Why don't you deliver the tweet of the week to us? Because it's it's bloody hilarious. I love this one personally. Yeah. If you know me, you know why I love this one. So we've got uh, our main man, astrophysicist, scientist extraordinaire Neil deGrasse Tyson, director um, of the Hayden Planetarium in New York City. That's right. So uh, he uh, decided to take uh, his opportunity today and throw some shade at the New York Knicks, and he tweeted out, "There were 118 known element. There are 118 known elements in the periodic table. The last time the Knicks won the NBA championship, there were only 105." So he's wow. using he's using chemistry to burn the Knicks. They've they've basically identified like a whole thirteen more elements in the periodic table since the Knicks were last. Look at the evolution so. in science that is not happening on the New York Knicks Madison Square Garden court. Uh, yeah, that is a science bro using a science burn yeah. on like. Oh the easiest target in the NBA and it's like I'm just I would love to know like I want to if I get one chance to ask Neil deGrasse Tyson anything because you know he has this like write-in show the Star Talk radio show if you're not a fan by the way check out the Star Talk pod- podcast excuse me it's fantastic but uh rather than ask him like you know what is the uh, circumference of the earth or something like that I think I just want to know like what made you wake up and just want to slam, slam the next this hard, time? Like, yeah. what was your breaking point sir yeah. at what point did you decide that that was going to be how you were going to spend the rest of Years your of your 10 minutes or whatever is to discover how like you had to look that up right no, what made that, you want to do the that? thing is, is you probably didn't have you to probably didn't that have That's right. Yeah, that's that's fair. But like, you know, you had to go to some trouble. At the very least, you probably had to fact check it. Yeah. Lord knows he's a brilliant man, so who knows. But that is the sickest science burn in basketball history. Really and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, you don't get a lot of basketball science burns. No, that's it. This one stands alone as far as I'm <laughs> yeah. concerned. It was bloody brilliant. So and just reading it too, if like, you know, Neil deGrasse is tyson's voice mm-hmm. you just like imagine him saying this he's so much funny like on nova or something you know? like it's just a fact like, fun fact of the day <laughs> exactly that's exactly yeah. what he sounds like perfect so all right well this was a nice reading guys uh i kind of miss uh doing this show and i hope that we're able to come back and do it again soon it was definitely hard talking about kobe today as i'm not totally over it but 
The season will go on for all of us, unless the season gets suspended due to hysteria over a pandemic. For all of us here at the Hoop and Harm, we thank you for joining, and we will see you again soon. Northern Touch Media Group Production.